Welcome to the Forward Church Podcast. We're so glad you joined us today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to stay up to date with our latest episodes. Now let's get ready to dive into today's message. We know you'll be blessed. You can remain standing. I won't uh, ask you to sit and stand, sit and stand. We're going to go straight into the book of Philippians again today. This is something we do here at Forward. We honor the, the word, just the main the text. When we read the main text um, by standing. And just for a moment before we get into the word today, listen, if you made a decision for Christ today, I don't want to move too quick today and, and, and overlook you because you are valuable to us and you are, <laughs> I can't, I'm, I'm sorry, I just got to be, can I be real today? I just, I just love you as important, you as smart, you as kind. You, I mean, you, you, you really are. I, you know, I make, I make joy about it, but you are. And, and we are not a church that just leads people to the cross and leaves them there. But we are a church that tries to guide people, guide people not only to the cross, but even beyond that. And, and so that same card that Pastor Brandon talked about earlier, I just wanted to make this known because we've got so many new faces in the crowd today. About halfway down, it says, my decision for Christ. Let us know. Let us know, not just because we can keep up with it and, and you be a number in a, in a data report somewhere. That's, it's not about that. It's really not. It's about being able to follow up with you and help lead you and guide you in your walk with Christ. Because you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old has passed away and behold, all things are been made new. And we want to help guide you. We want to help. It's called making disciples. That's what God, Jesus, before he left the earth, one of the last uh, commands that he gave to, to his followers. He said, go into all the earth. Teach the things that I have taught you. Make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So that's what this is all about. So we can fulfill the, the great commission that God has given and entrusted to his church. Amen. So you can take a few moments. Uh, I don't care any time in service, even while I'm preaching, because it's important. That's how important this is. Fill this out. You can hang on to it. You can bring it to me personally after church, or you can drop it in one of the giving uh, bins as you leave today, and we'll be sure it gets to where it needs to go. Amen? Amen. Philippians chapter 1. I'm actually only going to read verse 9 through 11 today. I was, I was reading verses 1 through 11, but for time's sake today, I'm just going to start with verse 9. If you got it, say, I got it. If not, it'll be up on the screen, and it says this. In this I pray that your love may abound still more and more. 2024, the year of more. And in knowledge and all discernment that you may approve the things that are excellent. And this is where we're really going to be camping out today, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I want to read that same text, though, really quick. I want to read it from the English Standard Version. I just read from the New King James Version, but I love how the English Standard Version words a couple of things, and I just want to point these out so that you may approve, verse 10, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be, listen to this, so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Today I'm excited, I'm gonna bring you part three. It's the series finale of the vision for 2024. We've titled this 2024, the year of more. Will you pray with me? God, I come before you one more time and I praise you for who you are. 
And I thank you, God, for this word that you've downloaded into my spirit, God, this week. And I pray, God, that you would honor the studies, God, that have spent this week, God, reading this and and studying out and searching out you and, and the scripture, Father. And I pray, God, that you would allow the words that I speak, God, to this congregation this morning be ordained by you, Father. Nothing more, nothing less. Let them pierce the hearts of this congregation, God, that I pray this prayer often, that we would not just be hearers of your word, God, that it wouldn't just go in one ear and out the other, but God, that we would be doers, God, that we would actually apply it to our life. Lord, and I pray this prayer also. I pray, Lord, that we would not leave here, no one would leave here today the same way we walked in. And I'll be quick to give you the praise, the honor, and the glory for everything that's accomplished in Jesus' name. Can somebody say in Jesus' name? Give him one more hand clap of praise today as you are being seated. I'm going to dive straight into this, but let me first make a statement. Part one of, these, of this three-part series, I called it the milk of the series. Part two, we dove straight in last week. We dove straight into the meat of the series. How many of y'all know milk is easy, more easily digested than meat? Today's going to be more meat. Okay? Are y'all ready? Look at your neighbor and say, get your fork ready. Get your fork ready because it's going to be more meat today. All right, let's dive into this. Paul envisioned in this scripture mature Christians who had the ability to distinguish right from wrong. See, so you missed that right there. Paul envisioned mature Christians who were able to distinguish right from wrong. I could preach on that mess. That was actually last week's message, but I got to set, set up this week. I believe that we need to be a church that is able to distinguish right from wrong. In a world that seems like it's so hard for people to distinguish right from wrong, and in some cases, people are even calling wrong things right and right things wrong. God, give us a discerning knowledge to be able to distinguish what is right from what is wrong. And Paul directed his prayer toward that end goal. See, we talked last week about love that has knowledge and discern, discernment. See, it's not enough to have just blind love. We talked about that last week. I don't have time to go back over that this week. But let me just lay the foundation to get to where we're going today. That word discern has the meaning of this, test by trial. Say that with me, test by trial. Meaning after you go through things in life and you have been tested, in other words, those tests, the Bible says, is really what purifies you. It, what, it, it, that are the, that, those are the things in life, the, those testing times, those trials, those per, times of where we are facing persecution and and hardships, that is really where everything in our life gets boiled down to the very most simple form of who we are, and it reveals more about our true being and our true character than any other moment in life. In other words, when things are going good, you really don't know who you are. But it's the moments when things are not going good. When things are going bad, when things are tough, when things are uncertain, 
that's when you really learn who you are. A growing love fed by proper knowledge and moral insight enables one to see the best way to live. And Paul said that he wanted us to live righteously in sight of the day of Christ. In other words, as the day of the rapture of the church, as the, as the snatching away or the catching away of the saints gets closer and closer and closer, I'll put it in, in what I want to call it this morning. Is that okay? As the end time signs start ramping up, as divine signs become more and more and more, all the more the day, the closer we get to the day of the Lord, so much so should the Christian believers and should the church have a proper knowledge and moral insight so we can live righteously before God. Now, I'm going to dive into, into to, today's main course. That was an appetizer. That was the appetizer. I don't know how well it tasted to your palate this morning. Maybe it tasted a little sour. Maybe it tasted a little sweet. Maybe it was like the, the candy, Sour Patch Kids. Maybe it was a little sour first, then it was, I don't know. But here, here we go. Paul continues his prayer and what he's really praying for in the, in the scripture, in the context of what we just read, is he's praying for complete character in the body of Christ, specifically in individual believers. Complete character, in its especially discerning what is best, develops character. When we are able to discern what is excellent and approve what is excellent in life, when we are able to uh, push away the bad and intake the good, when we are able to make decisions that are godly decisions, those are the things that actually produce character in our life. A growing love provides for character development and completion, meaning not only is your character supposed to be developing day by day by day, in other words, we should always be growing as believers. I should be becoming more and more like Christ every single day of my life. You should be becoming more and more like Christ every single day of your life. We should be growing. In other words, we should be moving. Sounds familiar. We should be moving forward together. One of the ways we do that here at our church is small groups. If you're not connected in a small group, then you're not taking part in everything that this church has to offer in order for you to fully grow and develop in your character and in your walk with Jesus Christ. And maybe if you're in a place right now where you say, Pastor, I feel stuck. I've been there. Pastor, I feel stuck. I feel like I'm not being developed. I feel like I'm in a place with my walk with Christ. I challenge somebody. As a matter of fact, I asked two or three people this morning. I said, what small group are you signing up for? One of them said, I don't know. I'll have to go look at it. I said, well, go look at it. Guess what? I'm going to follow up with him. He knows who he is. I'm going to follow up with him. I'm not trying to embarrass anybody. But Paul is praying for people to grow. And as always, the return of the Lord and, Christ, and the Christian's preparation for that occupies Paul's thoughts. And I think as believers, it should always sort of occupy our thoughts. Meaning, we, the things that we are doing every single day is preparing us for the return of the Lord or preparing the world or preparing people for Jesus' return. 
And Paul identified through prayer three things. That was my introduction for today. I'm about to get into my points. Paul identified three things about one's character, which is where we're going to be spending most of our time today. Three, three things. Number one, the nature of complete character. Number two, the means to it. And number three, the purpose of it. That's where we're going to be spending our time today. Let's look at this. What is the nature of complete character? What is, what is Paul talking about right here? Two words describes Paul's concern for the, for the Philippians, pure and blameless. If you want to know what kind of character we should have as believers, and I know I've, I've already tried to warn you, this is meat today, okay? Pure and blameless. As believers on the face of this earth, we should always strive to live pure and blameless lives before Jesus Christ and before others. Pure occurs only one other time in the New Testament in 2 Peter 3 verse 1. And see, I want to point this out about the word pure. Because the most common etymology of the term suggests that it comes from two words, sun, helios, and to judge, krino. And that the word meant to hold up to sunlight for inspection. Now, I don't know about you, but that does something for me. Meaning, I'm to live a life of purity before God, and, and I know this is not popular preaching. I'm actually preaching on uh, uh, sanctification today, if you want a, a word for it. I know it's an old school term that don't get preached on a lot today. And maybe you are a new Christian, or maybe you're a guest today, and you're thinking, man, that pastor's really bringing it today. This is a Listen, we're going somewhere. But what we should be able to do is take our life and be able to hold it up to light, meaning... Search me, O God. David prayed this prayer. Search me, O God. Create in me, God, a pure and blameless, a clean, a pure heart before you. The decisions and the actions and the words that I say day by day by day, God, inspect them. Hold them up to light. God, let them not be hid from you. God, let them not be hid from... God, I'm tired of trying to hide from others, God. I'm tired of trying to hide from my spouse. I'm tired of trying to hide things from my children. I'm tired of trying to hide things... God, bring it all to light so that I can live a pure and blameless life. I know that's not going to get a lot of amens this morning but I'm just going to preach what God laid in my heart. Because if we really want more in 24, and I'm not just talking about more stuff. I'm not just talking about more things on our calendar. I'm not just talking about more things. I'm talking about the excellent things. If we want to be able to prove the excellent things, the spiritual things, the blessings of life, the anointing of God, the power of God, then this is what it's going to take. And can I tell you that there's a lot of people out there that's not willing. Whew. That did good for me, whether it did you any good or not. Blameless. It also really occurs rarely in the New Testament. Its purpose is twofold. Meaning to be free from blame, which has to do with others blaming you. And then it also, the second part of this, it means this, to be clear of conscience. 
Meaning my conscience is clear. I know the way I live. I know my, my actions. I know the intentions of my actions. I know the heart behind my actions. And I don't care. People may try to cast stones at me, but I'm lived, I, I know without a shadow of a doubt that I've chased after Jesus Christ with all of my heart. I love the Lord my God with all my heart, all my soul, all my strength, and I've done my best to live a pure and blameless life. So now, therefore, I have a clear conscience. And I see so many people, why am I preaching this today? I know this is tough preaching. I told you, you thought last week was the meat. Who? Why am I? Because I, li- I see so many people. Are y'all ready for this? We're going somewhere, but I've got to lay this foundation. And, you, and, and I'm, I'm having, <laughs> whew. Anyway, I, li- I see so many people living a stressful life. They are stressed out. They are worried. They are anxious. And then in true fashion, just like Adam and Eve in the garden, they want to bl- blame it on some, something or somebody else because of the actions that, and I, and I got to move on because I know y'all are, y'all are looking at me like, man, this is, this is tough, pastor. But so many times we as believers want to blame how we feel or the pressures in life or our emotions or our anxiety or our depression or all this on other things. But really and truly, it boils down to the decisions and the actions and the words that were spoken day by day by day by day that got us into that situation in the first place. And Paul is praying that we should have a nature about us that is pure and blameless. Are we on the same page? So we know the nature now that Paul is praying for believers. Let's talk about the means. So how do we get there, Pastor? I understand what Paul is praying for now. How do we get there? So similar to the first petition, Paul provided a context out of which such character could come. In this petition, Paul prays that the fruit of righteousness would be evident in the believer's life and that it would produce complete character. The phrase fruit of righteousness also really, or righteousness demands interpretation. The first concern is the use of the term righteousness because we understand that the Bible says that our righteousness is like a filthy rag in the sight of God, meaning on our best day, when measured up to God in heaven, holy, set apart, Our righteous, our best day is like a filthy rag, but let's go somewhere. Some some people, some scholars, interpret this word right here, righteousness, in this context, for it to mean the fruit produced by their imputed righteousness. Is this going over here, or is this really resonating? Meaning we have an imputed righteousness. The Bible says that when we are saved, we are clothed in his righteousness. Righteousness, meaning you have a righteousness that is not your own, but is from Jesus Christ. And now, and we're, I'm going somewhere later on, but let me just let the cat out of the bag right now. Because of that, you now, therefore, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, we're fixing to go there because that is as long as you abide in Him, we'll go there in just a minute. 
But really, if you think about what Paul is talking about right here, he's really not referring to just the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. And this is what a lot of pastors and a lot of preachers won't preach on today. Listen to this. Most scholars, however, understand the phrase to mean the result of righteous activity as Christians. It refers to an ethical righteousness. Living right. If this makes you uncomfortable today, then maybe we can all just come to the altar and pray about it in a minute. Because it seems like we have gotten away from the message today of actually preaching that there, there is a power inside of you, namely the Holy Spirit, that can actually give you the empowerment to walk right, to talk right, Lord, have mercy, to live right, to not say what we're not supposed to say, you know, and I know I just got up here and I preached earlier what not to do, what, but at the, at the same time, we live a life that bring, and I'm going to this in a minute, to bring glory to God. Meaning, I'm not, it's not because I have to do these things. God, I want to do these things. God, my life is not my own, but I belong to you. So everything I do, God, is not for me. It's not about me. But God, it's about, it's about you. The Old Testament really supports this conclusion about righteous activity right here. And it fits what Paul's attitude is trying to express in Philippians. I want to go there really quick. The book of Hosea. One, one scripture, one, one ch uh, chapter, one verse. Hosea 10 and 12. God is telling Israel to break up the hard ground of their heart in the scripture. And it says this, sow for yourselves righteousness and reap in what? Mercy. We want more of his divine mercy. Do y'all see all of this coming together, maybe I don't, maybe I'm not doing a good, job, a good job of communicating it, but you see it all coming together. Meaning if we want more in 24, more of the divine, more mercy, more of his, more of his goodness in our life, and I'm just going to be honest with you, God is a good God. And the problem, I'm just, I've, I've come to the conclusion that the problem is never with God, the problem somewhere is probably with me. And I'm not trying to sound mean or harsh when I say that, but I'm just coming to the conclusion that I serve a perfect God. God is perfect in all of his ways, his character. He is good. He is a good God in his plans for me. He has more in store. I can never obtain all the goodness of God on this side of eternity. So as long as there's breath in my lungs, I'm going to make decisions and actions day by day by day for God to open up the windows of heaven and pour into my heart more of his goodness. So sow for, yourse for yourselves righteousness, reap in mercy. Break up your follow ground. For it is time to seek the Lord. Somebody say, it's time. Till he comes and rains righteousness on you. Let me talk about this for a minute. Israel had sown the seed of sin. If in context of the scripture that we're reading in Hosea chapter 10 right here, Israel had sown for themselves sin. And in other words, when you sow in sin, you reap the results. There is a principle of the kingdom. 
And in New Testament terms, the Bible says the wages of sin or the, the, the earnings of sin or what you will reap, in other words, when you sow in sin is death. That's the New Testament principle right there. And the principle of sowing and reaping is found all throughout the, the word of God. So they would soon reap the judgment of God, but even now, how many of y'all know divine grace? His grace is sufficient. Because God is speaking to the nation of Israel just like he's speaking to his church today because the New Testament representation of Israel is who? The bride of Christ, the church. And so even now, I'm not into replacement theory or theology right there. Don't read too far into that. But our promises, the promises of Israel is bestowed upon us, the church, his bride. And even now, what God is telling them, if they would sow in righteousness, they would reap in mercy. Meaning if you'll sow in the godly things, you'll reap in the godly things. I want you to understand something. We all sow into our life, but do we sow seeds of righteousness? What kind of seeds are you scattering? What, here's, how, here's a good question to ask yourself today. What crop or harvest will grow up from the seeds you planted today, this week, or this month? What type of harvest is sprouting up in your life from the seeds? Think about the seeds and what kind of harvest you expect to reap from those seeds. See, and God builds on the picture of sowing and reaping by telling Israel, he said, break up the fallow ground. That fallow ground is a representation of soil or ground that had not been plowed or cultivated in over a year. And it's really a representation of our hearts today. How many of y'all have ever been in a situation where your heart just felt like it was hard? God, I can't feel you. God, I, I don't hear you. God, I don't see you in my life. God, I just don't. Where, where, where are you, God? I've been there. But God builds on that picture. And he says, you need to break up the fallow ground. This is ground that is hard, it's stubborn, it's resistant to the seed. I don't have time to go into the parable of the seed in the New Testament. But it does little good to sow seed on fallow ground because it first must be broken up. There must come a time in your life where you are broken before God. It's not popular. But there must come a time in each and every person's life where you are broken. Where, in other words, you surrender. God, I've done it my way for too long. I surrender. And sometimes when the word of God goes forth and it seems to have little effect, it's because it falls on fallow ground, the hard ground that will not allow the seed of the word to penetrate and become fruitful. And so it just sits. And since fallow ground is hard, it probably doesn't want to be broken up. And there's many of you under the sound of my voice today, you don't want to be broken before God. And we can get into many reasons why. Because you have a reputation. You have an image. What will people think of me? And you can use all the excuses in the book, but until you are broken 
before God, the seed will never produce fruit in your life. It is hard, it's compact, and the blade of the plow hurts as it cuts through. How does the ground or soil get hard and compact? It's walked on, it's stomped on, it's beaten down, it's run over. And many of you under the sound of my voice, that's exactly what you've gone through in your life. You feel like you've been walked on. You feel like you've been taken advantage of. You feel like you've gone through so many things in this life that has just caused you to get hard in your heart. But God offers us a remedy to the hard heart. He says, for it is time to seek the Lord. And this reminds us of how we break up that fallow ground. We do it by seeking the Lord, not ourself and not our idols. I just need to find myself, Pastor. Oh, Lord, help me. No, you need to find God. You need to seek God because you'll never know who you are until you know who He is. You'll never realize who you are in Christ in your purpose on the face of this earth until you discover who God really is. And people on this earth are trying and they're searching after themselves. They're searching after who they are. They're, they're, they're trying to fill their life with all of these idols. And I could go by list by list, but I'm not here to preach on all of our idols today. But what I am telling and challenging this church to do is seek the Lord. The Bible says, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open. The Bible says in Hosea, he said, God said through the prophet Hosea, he said, for it is time. It shows that the time to break up the fallow ground is now. New Testament speaking, the day of salvation is now. It's not tomorrow. It's now. Don't wait. Don't put off for tomorrow what you can do today. Some of you may be listening today say, Pastor, I tried that one time and nothing happened. I love the next line and I'm trying to rush through this right now. I'm so sorry. I want to get, I want to get through this. He said, seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. This tells us how long we should seek God. Because God uses figures of sowing and reaping to remind us that harvest is sometimes a season away. There's seasons in life and there's seasons in the kingdom. Just like there's seasons of sowing, there's seasons of reaping, but sometimes the, the time between the sowing and the reaping is a season away. And God uses that to show us something. Sometimes people expect to sow in sin for years, but to immediately reap in mercy after sowing righteousness for one day. And here's 
hear my heart when I say something right here. I'm not talking about the benefits of salvation. I'm not really talking about because once you're saved, the Bible says your sins are cast as far away as the east is from the west. You are on your way to heaven, and, and now, therefore, look, you're not, you're not on your way to hell. I'm not talking about a heaven or hell issue right here. What I'm talking about is, is the circumstances in your life and, and, and how in the actions and what your actions bring forth and what they produce in your life. Because so many people, here's where they get discouraged. Y'all ready? They come to this altar or they raise their hand to make a decision for Christ in church and they feel liberated and they are because there is liberty in Christ Jesus. But what they don't realize and what a lot of pastors will not tell them is when they walk out of the four doors of this church, you're gonna walk back into the same circumstances. And you can't expect things to just change overnight. Sometimes it takes years of sowing in righteousness to reap the things in mercy. But what I'm telling somebody here today is keep sowing. Keep sowing. Don't stop. Stick with Jesus. Stick with sowing in righteousness and you will reap in mercy in due time. Keep sticking with prayer. Stick with reading the Word of God. Stick with family devotions. Stick with not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. Stick with praise and worship. Stick with giving. Stick with serving in the kingdom of God. Stick with Jesus. Don't stop. Don't stop. Just because your circumstances aren't where you want them to be. Because we're not exempt from trials. But like my beautiful, awesome wife just got up here earlier in the service and said, he may not pull you out of the fire, but he'll walk with you through the fire. And I would hold, I would whole lot rather, how y'all like that English? I would whole lot rather have the first, the fourth person in the fire with me than be alone in my fire by myself. Come on, somebody. Because I'm going to tell you, God is good. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. Bearing fruit or reaping the mercy harvest of righteousness is always the result of abiding in Jesus. John 15, 4 through 6 teaches us that. I'm not reading it. But when we abide in Him, we are able to produce much fruit. And apart from Him, we can do nothing. I'm here to tell somebody, stick with Jesus. Stick with Jesus. It's not our responsibility to produce the harvest. It's our responsibility to abide in Him, and then He produces the harvest. He's the Lord. The Bible says He is the Lord of the harvest. But He has given us the responsibility to abide in Him. got a lot more I could say right there but last and not least everybody stand we hope you've been blessed by today's message make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with our most recent episodes to find out more visit us at forwardchurchonline.com there you can connect with us learn more about our ministries and submit any prayer requests you may have we hope you join us again soon